It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. If you had told Elizabeth Chapel back when she was 13 years old that she would become a quilter, she would have laughed in disbelief. Yet a few years ago, she discovered the world of quilting and fell in love. Elizabeth is a quiltopreneur, educator, and creator. She serves quilters who own or want to start a business in the quilting industry. She doesn't seem to have downtime as she is also busy designing quilt patterns, designs fabric, and is a fellow podcaster. Elizabeth, thank you so much for joining me on A Quilter's Life. I've been looking forward to this. Oh, it's my pleasure, Paula. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Uh-huh. Now, several of the people I've gotten to interview have gone through your course, and you've been mentioned on several of the podcasts, so it is so much fun to be able to meet you and hear your story. That's so cool. I love that the alumni have been on your podcast. Well, they all speak very highly of you. Oh, thanks. Share where you were born and raised. Sure. Yeah, I grew up. Well, okay. I grew up in the Twin Cities. I was actually born in Minneapolis, but I'm a St. Paul, Minnesota girl. And then we spent a few years when I was really little in Morocco, Africa. But I consider myself a Minnesota girl. Well, you said a few years. So did you go back to Minnesota after that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was just like a two-year sabbatical stint type of a thing. Oh, cool. Do you have any memories of being in Africa? Yeah. I mean, I was so little, like preschool age, but I don't know if I remember it because it was so different or because my parents show me the photos, but yeah, there's some memories that I have. Cool. Do you have a special childhood memory? Well, I have a twin sister and she's very adventurous. I'm much more of the homebody. So I'm really glad I had her as a twin because she really pushed me to do fun things. I just remember playing out in the neighborhood, riding our bikes around. We would make up all sorts of games with the neighborhood kids. So I'm really grateful that I've got her as a twin. So she (laughs) made some fun memories for us of just the joys and freedoms of being a kid and playing. How fun. Now, is she fraternal or identical fraternal yeah she's got blonde hair I have brown hair I'm a quilter she's like a body pump instructor I mean we're just like night and day (laughs) tell us about the employment you've had over the years that's such a funny one I've had so many jobs throughout my life so I had a paper route as a kid which in Minnesota in the winter, it was like three in the morning on the weekends, we'd wake up and go deliver those papers. And then in junior high, I worked at Super 8 Motel, cleaning motel rooms. I was always very motivated to be able to have extra money to buy things. My parents wouldn't buy a lot of excess, well, any excess for us. And so if I wanted something, I had to earn the money. So I always had a job. And it's gotten embarrassing where I'm like, oh, I used to work there. I used to work there. And people are like, where haven't you worked, Elizabeth? I'm like, oh, yeah, there has been a lot. So a lot of jobs throughout my life. Yeah. I'm surprised that you could work in housekeeping 
as a junior high student? You know, looking back at that, we knew the hotel owner and it was all legal, but I'm like, how did we get a job as like, what, 13, 14, you know, but somehow it worked. (laughs) (laughs) I take it you're back in St. Paul now. No, I actually live in Houston. So my husband, we met and when we were dating, we live in the Woodlands area of Houston, just north of Houston. And he brought me to like sell me on the area because his work is there. He worked with his dad. So anyhow, it brought us, I'm in Texas now, but I still claim Minnesota, FYI. (laughs) (laughs) What a big change. All I'm hearing in my head is cold, hot. No in between. (laughs) You are correct. You are correct. (laughs) Elizabeth, is there anything else about your family you wanted to share? Yeah, I mean, family of seven kids growing up. So a large family. We span over a lot of years. My oldest sister is quite a bit older than me. And my younger sister is 10 years younger than me. So a large family, four sisters, two brothers. So the sisters were really close and stay in touch. And the brothers, I don't know, (laughs) we love them, but the sisters, there's a special bond, you know, where we talk. And now I have three kids and they all play basketball. My husband's a six foot six basketball player and retired for sure. Now his body is seeing the wear and tear of all that. But yeah, I was not an athletic person growing up. So I was like, what did I sign up for? We have games every weekend. What's going on? You know, but yeah, so life looks different now, but it's fun and an adventure that I enjoy. Great. Were there any other sets of twins in your family? No, none, none that I know of on like anywhere. So we'll see if that pops up again, kind of an anomaly, you know? Wow. Mm-hmm. Now, if you had the opportunity to talk to your great, great, great grandchildren, what would you want them to know about you? Yeah, this is an interesting question. Because I do have some journals from my great, great, great grandparents. And the things that I find the most interesting personally are things about their character. You know, I'll find things like, I have that too, where this common thread that ties us together. I don't know what they'd be interested in. Maybe they'd be interested to hear what was day-to-day life like. But for me, I'm more interested in the DNA connections, you know, the things that tie me to their humanity and the talents, the skills, sense of humor, the questions, you know, those kinds of things. So I guess trusting that we're related, that they'd be interested in the same things. So I probably want to share that aspect of myself. That is so much fun. Besides quilting, are there other crafts that you do or that you've done in the past? I actually love to share this because I remember in junior high, high school, I had a really good friend, my best friend. She was a dancer and she sang and I felt like I had no talents. I was like, I'm not good at anything. And she was like, well, you're nice. And I was like, oh, that's so lame, you know? And so now as an adult, I'm like, wait, no, I do actually have some really great skills, but it's not like getting on a stage and dancing in front of somebody, you know? And I didn't really know that. Like, I really do love people. I love teaching. That's definitely not something as a junior high kid that you're like, I've got this talent that I love to teach. And then I feel like I have an artistic eye where I love and appreciate beauty. And I feel like I have a knack for putting colors together or decorating a space, you know, more of an artistic flair. 
that I hadn't really tapped into and did not know that that would be applicable in the quilting sphere or the business world. So other things that I enjoy doing business, if you can call that a hobby, and then painting, decor, decorating, drawing. Yeah, that kind of a thing. And don't discount nice. That just creates all the other things you're doing better. Thank you. That's true. I shouldn't. I should not discount that. That is a thing. (laughs) (laughs) Because not everybody is nice. So that included some hobbies. Are there other hobbies? You mentioned going to basketball games. (laughs) Yeah. I enjoy running and working out. Do I always do it consistently? I'm getting better at it. But no, I do enjoy I do enjoy running and some people really hate it. So I'm like, well, I mean, I guess I like that. So we'll go with that as a hobby as well. (laughs) Do you think any of these hobbies show up in your quilting? And I know they show up in your quilting business, but do you think any of them show up in your quilts? Yeah, I mean, so the drawing, so I design fabric now for art gallery fabrics. So that has been really rewarding. Sometimes I'll have students who... They share how excited they are that someone bought their pattern. And oh my goodness, these people are making my patterns. I get more of a thrill out of seeing my fabric show up in people's, you know, like that's my creation and there it is. And they've done such an amazing job putting it in this pattern in a way I wouldn't have thought of. So in that way, it shows up. And then also just that ability or I don't know, desire to take colors and make an artistic creation. I do feel like that has shown up in the quilt patterns that I really love, you know, and I'm working on one right now that I don't know how it's going to come together, but I'm really excited about it. And that's that artistic creation that that's really fun. How fun. Tell us about who introduced you to quilting or how did you start quilting? Yep. So it's funny. My mom was a quilter. And she actually was very artistic as well. I mean, she made some amazing award-winning quilts that are not using a pattern. They were her own artistic creation. Like they took a Norman Rockwell photo and blew it up on the wall and traced the different colors and pieced it together. So it looks like a Norman Rockwell painting made out of fabric. I mean, just some cool stuff. And so that was my introduction to quilting, but... Growing up, I did not think it was cool. My mom, when we went to a quilt shop, I was like, no, not again. You know, this is so boring and typical child, you know. In my early 30s, my best friend and neighbor, her mom is Bonnie of Bonnie and Camille. And she came into town, into Houston for a quilt market. And the second year she came, I was like, what does your mom do exactly? And she was like, oh, she's a fabric designer. She goes to this quilt market. So I invited myself to go along. And that quilt market, I want to say it was fall of 2015 in Houston, blew my mind. At that time, I had a fashion blog post. And I saw, first of all, a ton of fashion. There were all these clothing things that were there. But the fabrics, the colors, there was like a shoe making station where they were making shoes with quilting fabric. It was so hip and cool and trendy. And I did not know that. And then I went and looked at Bonnie and Camille's Instagram. And I was like, wait a minute, there's this huge following. And my mind was blown to this industry and this niche and just how massive it was. And the potential because at that time, Tracy, that friend 
we were trying to come up with a business idea. And after that, I'm like, we should do something in the quilting world. This is amazing. So she taught me how to quilt. And it was her mom that took me to a quilt shop, you know, Bonnie, and I got some of her fabric and used her pattern to make my first quilt. So in a way, I feel somewhat bad that it wasn't my mom, but that definitely played a part in the history leading up to it and to the artistic DNA that I've got. I bet she was so happy, though, when you started quilting. I bet you had a lot more to talk about. Yes, she was thrilled. And when the thought of designing fabric, she was like, this is so cool, my daughter. And they would joke, like, of all the kids, I can't believe it's you, Elizabeth, you know, (laughs) because I was like the fashion blogger, not the quilter. (laughs) That's so funny. Whether it's a quilt you made or someone else made, do you have a favorite quilt? Yeah, I love my front porch quilt. And that's probably the first quilt that I've made where it felt like an artistic creation. Using all these scrappy low volume backgrounds, creating a 3D flying geese block and the layout of it, this gradient, the colors, it felt like there was movement in the quilt. So that's to date, my favorite design. I like that you put to date. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? The next one might be even better. Mm -hmm. And do you have a favorite tool that you love to use? Yes. The quarter inch foot for my sewing machine. When I first started quilting, I struggled to get that quarter inch seam. I'm not a perfectionist. And so I just wanted to zoom through stuff. And I didn't realize how important a consistent quarter inch seam was to quilting. Turns out it's kind of important. So that was a game changer when I got that foot for my sewing machine. Can I ask how long it took you to figure that one out? Maybe a year? Too long. A year too long. (laughs) (laughs) With all the steps, do you like each step of quilting or is there one step that you really look forward to? I enjoy picking out the fabric a lot. And then I really like, I won't, I don't know that I go so far as to say cutting the fabric, but I like that when it starts to come together and you're piecing it together and you can see that fabric take shape in your own unique creation, you know? And then placing those blocks together. Now, when it gets to quilting, I usually ship it off to a long arm quilter. That's not my favorite part, but the piecing and that part is my favorite. And there seems to be two camps in binding. Do you love binding or hate binding? No, I don't love it. (laughs) I'll do it. But again, usually if a long arm quilter will do it for me, I'm like, charge me anything. (laughs) I don't want to do it. Describe your worst quilting experience. Well, so I feel like quilters might be kind of like, wait, what? You're not a true quilter. But I'd be curious to hear how many people feel the same way. My very first quilt, learning to read a pattern, and it's not the finished product because I'm very, very proud of that finished product. But learning to read a quilt pattern, it felt like there was this underground community with a lingo that I did not know. And I... And figuring out how to quilt, like it was really hard, you know, and they say like your blood, sweat and tears. It was all those things, you know, I'd prick myself with a needle and be bleeding. I would cry like, I don't understand this and sweating just, you know, all the things. 
it was a process and it's really odd. Like, why did I stick with it? You know, but I did and I'm glad. And then I, I'm trying to think of like a finished quilt that I don't love. No, I've, I really like all the quilts that I've made at that time. Some I look back, I'm like, oh, that's not my favorite. But at the time I really liked it. So with your business teaching pattern writing, since you experienced that, do you add in there of giving some of that background for beginner quilters? A little bit. For example, I have a pattern that I call a beginner-friendly pattern, and it's all half-square triangles. And I've had some people reach out and say, that's not a beginner-friendly pattern. Half-square triangles is not a beginner-friendly thing. What I mean by beginner-friendly is I assume no prior knowledge when I wrote that pattern. I go in to explain. I have videos. Like It's beginner-friendly as in you're not going to wonder what this means or how to do this. I hold your hand along the way. And so some people, you know, I talk about having a niche. Some of my students say, I want to target beginning quilters. Then that's something, you know, but no, I don't. I mean, that's actually a really good idea. I should add that into the course and talk about that and <laughs> at least have a place on your website for someone who is a beginner. Because we do just assume that everyone starts off where we are right now. And we forget the Elizabeths in 2015 who want to quilt. And we want everyone to enjoy quilting. You know, we want to lower that bar of entry and invite everyone in. So I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> we have limited time and there's so many things we could do. Why do you think you continue to quilt? Well, I started it for the business and I continue doing it for that creative expression where it feels like, I don't know, call it a God-given gift that we have, but we all like to bring things into the world, you know, whether some people love to garden or cook or for me, it's to create this kind of work of art. It's very fulfilling. And I also love the connection that it gives me to the past, the history of quilting and to the current community of quilters. It enriches my life in a really cool way that I didn't know was available. Mm -hmm. Who do you usually make your quilts for? I feel a twinge of guilt with this question because I've only given away a couple quilts. I really struggle giving them away. So they're for my family, which at this point, do we really need another quilt? No. And there is also the business aspect. If I go to quilt market or festival or quilt con or wherever, I'd like to have the option of displaying a quilt from each of my patterns. So I want to hold on to one for each in case I want to display that. So yeah, it's a little different when your livelihood is tied to it. Right. Yeah. Are you working on something special right now? I am. Yeah. And I debated, do I share or not? So it's a yo-yo quilt and the artistic part of it comes in the placement of the different colors. And I'm trying to figure out how I want to do that. And so that it's very exciting and fun. And I don't know what it's going to look like yet, but I have a feeling I'm going to really love it. And you may have it all together by the time this episode is out. That's true. I actually probably will. <laughs> <laughs> Describe your sewing space. Well, we built our house a few years ago and I was in my business. And so 
a lot of the house I took into account to have a lot of windows, bright open spaces for photos. And so my quilting room, it's on the main floor and I wanted to be near the kitchen and everything so I could work and sew and not have my kids be like, where's mom? She's tucked away upstairs in her sewing room. It's also the laundry room, but we tucked away the washer and dryer behind some cabinets so you can't see it, but it's very functional, livable space. And yeah, it's very bright, lots of bright natural light and big enough. And I did make the disclaimer to my husband. I can't promise it's going to be clean. That's part of the creative process is a mess, but I do generally keep it pretty clean. So I'm proud of myself for that. That's a huge accomplishment. Thank you for appreciating that. Yes. <laughs> Share a quilting tip. I kind of touched on it, but the quarter inch seam, just making sure you're getting a good solid quarter inch seam and start your fabric. I know some people are like, no, I'm not a starcher. That was a game changer for me. So starching my fabric, but that was also around the same time I learned the quarter inch seam. So anyhow, those two things. I am curious on the starch. Is it like water-based? So when you wash the quilt, that washes out? Yeah, I use Magic. Is that the brand? I can see the bottle. I think it's called Magic. But yeah, once in a while, it'll leave a little white residue, but it washes right out. So nothing permanent, just a little bit crisper fabric. So it's a more accurate piecing. Okay. I always assume that people have started quilting and then go into being in business and it's a hobby first, but it really sounds like you started quilting with the thought of you were going into business. Yep. You want to describe a little bit more about starting up your business? Yeah. So at that quilt market in 2015, Tracy, my friend, I was like, this market's amazing. This is like that niche we've been looking for. And we have people in the industry, your mom and your sister. So let's do something here. And my little sister, I was like, what should we do that's quilting related? And she was like, you know, those monthly subscription boxes, they're really hot right now. At the time, no one was doing one that I was aware of in the quilting community. So we started a monthly subscription box and we toyed with names and decided to go with Quilters Candy Box. But you never know what you're going to get. And every month we also included something you could eat. And so we started doing this and I was like, well, I should probably know how to quilt, you know, if I'm going to have a business in the quilting world. So that's when I learned how to quilt. And then as I made more of other people's patterns, I realized, oh, I have ideas. Like I, I could do this. And I would find myself tweaking patterns that I had and changing it a little bit here and there. So then I was like, let's try this out. Let's make some patterns myself. You touched on it, but what process did you go through in coming up with the name of Quilter's Candy? Yeah, so it started out as Quilter's Candy Box. And I liked, you know, there are a few things that I'd studied with business. It's good to have the same sound. So Quilter Candy. And then again, the Candy Box. It was like a surprise. You'd get something new every month. And I like candy. But then a few years after we started, my business partner moved back to Idaho and it was just me. And so I pivoted the business. I stopped doing the monthly subscription box. And so at that point, I was like, do I just do a whole new brand name? What do I do? So I just decided to drop the box and keep it as Quilters Candy. Because at that point, there was some brand recognition. And so I didn't want to totally change things up. So now it's Quilters Candy. 
in, like you mentioned, you started making some patterns in designing fabric. And I think you do a few other things. So share with us what All Quilters Candy does. Yeah. So I have a monthly membership, which actually by the time this podcast airs, currently while we're recording, I'm getting ready to announce new ownership. So I'm going to be passing that off to Liza Taylor of Liza Taylor Handmade. And I won't be doing that membership anymore. And so there's a history of my business pivoting and changing. So I'm ready to go all in on helping quilterpreneurs grow their business. So I have the quilt pattern writing course uh, that opens every September. I have a signature course, Craft to Career. And so that will be opening. That will be evergreen. People can buy that whenever they want to. This September, I'm doing a quilterpreneur retreat in Utah, and that will be annual. So there's one plan for 2024 and plan to continue that. And then, of course, I write quilt patterns and design fabric. And I host a podcast, Craft a Career. Every time I think I'm getting over the membership, like that'll be done. I'll have so much free time. I'm like, who who am I joking? No, (laughs) there's a lot. I'm still trying to get to my mind what you're turning over to Liza. So I had the subscription box that people would buy and there'd be a box that was mailed to their house every month. And when I stopped doing that, I decided to open a virtual membership. So now when people join, instead of getting a box mailed to them every month, they get a digital PDF pattern from guest designers. And then we also have a website where you can log in and we'll have monthly meetups. They get to meet the maker every month, tutorials, PDFs, trainings. We've had different guest speakers come and teach us things. So it's almost like a guild, an online guild where you get a pattern every month and a community So yeah, that's the Quilters Candy membership. And that's what is going to be handed over to Liza Taylor. And she's going to be running that and doing that from now on. Great. Thank you for explaining that a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember a time when someone bought something from you or signed up from you? And it was just so exciting. Share that time with us. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because there is this sense of whether it's my first pattern or Fabric's a little different. I don't, for some reason, fabric, I feel like I'm just excited for people to get that. And maybe that's because I'm removed a little bit. But when it's my pattern, there's this sense of like, I hope there are no errors in there. I hope that people like it and that it makes sense, you know? And at first, my patterns weren't so great. So there was some room for worrying about that. And now I sell these courses and there's that sense of obligation, like, I hope that this is everything that they wanted it to be. I want to over deliver. I want it to be amazing. And so I'm getting better about not taking everything so personally and like, well, it may not be for everyone or not so much that, but like, I can just do the best that I can do and give all that I can have. And most people are very, very pleased, but there is always this, like, I just want it to be perfect. And that's unhealthy, you know, (laughs) but yeah, I do. I love everything to just be amazing and have everyone love it. It's a goal. Right. (laughs) What else about your business would you like us to know? It's such a roller coaster, especially if there's anyone out there listening who's thinking of starting a business or who has started a business. First of all, it can feel very isolating. So find some friends, you know, make a community of quilterpreneurs or entrepreneurs. 
and know that it is a roller coaster. You know, it's going to be up days and down days and that's normal. There's nothing wrong with that. And it doesn't mean when you're having a down day that you need to throw in the towel. It's normal. So, yeah. Good advice. My husband and I had a computer business for 18 years. So business is business. And yeah, it can be very lonely. Yeah. What did you guys do for computer stuff? We opened it in 85. So we had a brick and mortar computer store when that was a thing. Yeah. <laughs> that was like right. With, I mean, you were like cutting edge. So that's yeah. really cool. Yep. Had my fourth child and I was in the hospital ordering stuff. Thousands of dollars worth of stuff to open the store when she was a month old. That sounds about right, too, as an entrepreneur. Like, you don't shut it off, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth, share with us where we can find your business. Yeah, so there's the podcast, Craft to Career podcast. And then my website, quilterscandy.com or Instagram. I'm there a lot at quilters underscore candy. Great. And all your links will be on your episode page on aquilterslife.com. Elizabeth, thank you so, so much for spending your time with me. It was wonderful to hear your story. I enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Paula. Uh Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Bye. You can find more stories on aquilterslife.com or subscribe on your favorite podcast player so each episode will be downloaded automatically. Also, I want to hear about you and your wonderful quilts. Please contact me, Paula Chamberlain, through the website to set up an interview. And as always, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.